welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode. I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to tell you about a couple things before we jump into our episode. First off, head over to your socials, Facebook or Instagram, and follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted, great content. It includes our mom-to-mom ministry for mothers. It includes our Regarding Him conference. It happens yearly in March. And of course, it includes this podcast, Unshaken. There's so much good content you are going to want to follow, so do it today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. It helps us out, but it also helps you out because you get notification of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have ideas, suggestions, or even thoughts about an episode that you heard. Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. All right, well, we are ready to get started with our episode today. Have you ever gotten off course on your directions? Like maybe you ended up heading in a completely different direction. I'm not great with directions, I have to say. Sometimes my husband calls them girl directions. One time a friend gave me directions to her lake house, and here's what she said. I mean, really, she said these words. Drive a few miles on this road, look for the blue house with the three large flower pots on the front porch, and turn there, turn right. I think she even said right, but which is pretty good for girl directions. Um, she said, drive until you come to the Y in the road where the big tree hangs over drive by that tree, and then, okay, you get the idea. This is girl directions. But really, they're not girl directions. They're probably directionally challenged directions. Um, It makes me so thankful for my GPS um, that's on my phone because now I know how to get everywhere. Um, My sister-in-law recently had a great story about directions. She was um, attending a funeral for an acquaintance, and she wanted to attend the funeral, but she couldn't go to the graveside service. And she arrived just a little bit late to the funeral and told the attendant she wasn't going to the graveside, so they didn't need to put this little red flag on her car. I don't know what they do in other parts of the world, but in America, if you're driving with the rest of the group to the graveside, you get this little magnetic flag, like on the hood of your car, so everyone else knows to stop for you and let you go. Okay, so the service is over, and my sister-in-law had to get back to work. Um, So she immediately ran to her car right after the service. She jumped in and started to leave. Well, this particular parking lot is in a really busy intersection of Toledo. And um, she had to wait a few minutes before leaving the parking lot. And while she waited, the first couple of the cars that were going to go to the graveside actually got right behind her. Now, you'd think this would be no big deal, except when she went to turn, um, the way that it worked, this large box truck got caught between her and the front car that was carrying the casket and the cars that were, the limos that were carrying some of the people that were a part of the, of the funeral. And all of the cars behind her followed her and the other people went off a different direction. <laughs> and she realized all of a sudden she has the whole line behind her driving back to work. That's where they're going. My sister-in-law decided she was going to turn around and pull over so the people could get behind the right person. So she made found this parking lot and 
like you know a grocery store parking lot and she went in and turned around and everybody followed her right in and around the parking lot um and she said she realized they were all following her she had to stop she had to get out go tell them you're following the wrong people so she watched them all get back in their cars and drive as fast as they could to find the car, the limo with all the um, the casket and all the things in it. It was a really crazy situation. Um, I, I guess it reminded me of how sometimes our path um, gets off a little bit, right? And we might end up on a wrong path somewhere along the line. You might be going a different direction than you thought you had planned. And what happens when what you have worked for is not as important as it once was? Or what if it feels actually more important? And how can we actually be content with God's plan instead of our own plan? Can we make our plan be the same as God's plan? Those are really good questions. And actually, we are going to be discussing those in our episode today. Many of you know we've been discussing contentment and the book Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson. Don't forget, you can listen to our episodes that we have as we talk through that. And I'm going to talk with Erica Simpson through each chapter of the book this summer. Um, But today we're going to pause in our book chat and we're going to talk about one woman's story about God changing her plans or her course or direction and how she dealt with this change and how we can learn about contentment from her story. Let me introduce you to my guest, Hannah Sell. Hannah, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. This is a, a fun opportunity. I don't know you super well, so it's been fun working together, getting ready and um, and actually, I'm going to let you all know that I, I know some of your story. So I got to hear a little bit of it, and I love it. Tell me, though, a little bit and all of our listeners about your family, and what do you do all day? Sure. Um, well, I have been married to my husband, Carter, for six years, and we have four little kids, um, ages six, four, three, and one. Ooh, that's a busy household. Yes, and I get to stay home with them, and we just finished our first homeschool year. Yay, that's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, Hannah, I, I also know something kind of special about you. You have a superpower. Now, I don't know if you remember back when we were going through all of the situation with COVID and everybody had, like, in front of all the hospitals and nurses, you know, they're, they're, they're our superheroes. And during that time, they were pretty vital. We needed the work they did. But you have a different superpower. You can sew. And, and from what I've observed, beautiful things, like not my kind of sewing. My mom loved to sew, but I just don't think this is a genetic thing. I just don't have that gene, the sewing gene. Um, I've actually tried to, but it just does not look right. So how did you start this hobby? And what's some of the fi- favorite items that you made? Um, well, when I found out I was pregnant with my first, and when I found out she was a daughter, I really wanted to sew her bows. Oh, so fun. I, yeah, so I asked for a sewing machine for Christmas, and I got one, and I sewed up some bows. That quickly turned into sewing dresses and all of the things. So I would just YouTube anything I didn't understand, and um, I just made mistakes and learned mm. from them. And now it's a really rewarding hobby for me, and I love to wind down and sew after my kids go to bed. Okay, so you learned a lot of this on YouTube. I did. Wow, that's yes. really crazy. Yes. I think there pretty much you can learn anything on YouTube. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that you can learn. Yeah. And did you have a big fail? I've had several big fails, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Um, but I learned from them yeah. and didn't make that mistake again. Yeah. Did you have a favorite item too? Something that you loved making? Well, I don't know if I have a favorite item, but I just recently 
made a dress for myself. Oh, that's cool. Yes, it was different because um, with women's clothing, you're using a lot more fabric, oh, but you're yeah. also dealing with curves, darts, and shape, oh, yeah. and things that you don't have to do with children's clothing. Um, so I had to do a lot of videos, YouTube videos yes. for that. Um, but now I have a dress that fits perfectly. And oh, that's so cool. So. And you know, the beauty of that is, I love that because as you your kids grow, you can continue to make clothing and you can make it for yourself. It's just a skill that people just don't do that much anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite things to remember when I was a kid was my mom sitting and sewing and we had a the horrible uh, blizzard of 78. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I was four. Anyway, and she had all the supplies to make Raggedy Ann dolls, and she sewed me. It's like they came to life, Hannah. It was so exciting. That's really fun memory. It, it is a great memory, a great one. So, okay, now, I'm not really a sewer, but what advice would you give to someone who wants to learn but doesn't know how? Like, what should she do? Well, I started sewing without any experience, like I said, so I'm confident that they can too. There are so many free resources out there, not just mm. YouTube, but blogs and tutorials. Um, now Instagram, sure. there's stories, and there's um, a lot of sewers on social media. Um, you can actually get a very relatively inexpensive sewing machine. Mm. I started with a Walmart, $100 yeah. Walmart machine that did the job. Um, just get comfortable with your seam ripper. No, you'll make <laughs> mistakes. I love that. Um, and try not to get disappointed when you make mistakes because they do, like I said, you learn from them. Yeah. And that is how you get better. So maybe start with something smaller. Like you started with bows. I started with actually, I did start with bows, but then I did pillowcases. Oh. Just really simple yes. projects before I jumped right into dresses. Yeah, because maybe don't pick to sew your own wedding dress. Correct. Yeah, that would, <laughs> that would be a huge fail for yeah. me anyway. <laughs> I was just thinking too, that women who are older, maybe 40 and older, who know how to sew, Maybe they could actually go and find a younger woman and teach her. Like, it reminds me of those old-fashioned quilting bees, like in the House on the Prairie books. I think a lot of advice and good wisdom was passed on to younger women when those ladies sat and talked and discussed. I just think that'd be really cool. I know we have a group at church who sits around and knits. It's the same kind of concept. Mm -hmm. You have time to do things, and you can talk, and I love that. So I'm not a sewer, but it makes me think that how important it is that we invest in younger women. Absolutely. I think there's so much to learn from older women who have been sewing for decades and maybe were taught by their yes. own mothers, who were taught by their grandmothers, and how the wisdom is passed down. I think sewing is such a lost art, and I would love to bring it back. I plan to teach my daughters. Mm. My six-year-old begs me to sew all oh. of the time, um, and hopefully we'll keep that going. When my girls were little, um, I bought them at, an, at a homeschool convention, um, felt and they made felt stuffed animals. Very and they fun. just, they were just flat. But that was, there was little patterns and that got them started on that and they loved it. That's really None fun. of them are big sewers now. <laughs> they just aren't, but they loved that time period. That was cool. All right, so today we're gonna talk about contentment. And I guess you have to be content if you have to use your seam ripper, right? Yes. <laughs> there, is, there is something about that. But let's start with your story. Let's go all the way back to your childhood. What did you wanna be when you grew up? So when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be the press secretary. Oh my goodness. <laughs> for the White House. Okay, just a small job. Right, yeah. and I was very ambitious. Um, at the time, I can remember the culture was starting to push the idea that girls can be whatever they wanted mm -hmm. to be. And to be honest, I really never considered not working. 
Um, I aspired to be a career woman and this was sort of expected of me and I really embraced that at yeah, that time. That's interesting. My husband and I were just having this discussion about when he was saying how when he graduated from high school, he had a he knew a couple of people who were just going to get married and have kids. And he said, we all thought that was so weird. Right. You know, like, it would have been. What What are you doing? Aren't you going to go to college? You know, aren't right. you going to do this? And so I I understand the culture kind of conform makes us conform sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. But um, what happened um, throughout your high school years and college years? You know, did, did you keep with those goals? How'd you focus on your goals? What'd you do? I did. Um, in high school and college, I did well in my classes. Um, and like you said, pretty much every one of my classmates had aspirations to go oh. to college mm -hmm. and to have successful careers. That was just the next step. Um, again, there really wasn't an alternative. Um, I knew I wanted children eventually, but I always thought I would be a working mom. Mm -hmm. And I, so then I decided to pursue business. Um, accounting and finance, math oh. was my thing at the time. No, it is not my thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I went to college and I completed a dual degree in accounting and okay. finance. That's really cool though. I mean, mm -hmm. and I, I think both of us, I, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for you, Hannah, but I would say, I don't think it's wrong to go to college. Correct. I don't want to make yeah. it like, oh, it's bad if you do. No. It's just interesting how our culture kind of directs us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people, that's just not their thing. Right. Okay. How did your husband fit into this? Did you meet him? Where'd you meet him at? So we met in high school and we started dating in oh, high wow. school. Oh, wow. High school sweethearts. We were, yes. Um, so we continued to date after high school. And I knew I wanted to marry him. <laughs> and looking back, it would have been wise to get married sooner, but we followed the mold yeah. at the time. We decided to wait until after we graduated to get married. Mm. And Which was um, pretty common. Yes, and I and I don't mean high school. Wait until after we graduated college yeah. to get married. Yeah. Yes. And but I really wanted to be married. So I actually completed my degree or my degrees in three years wow. to try to speed up that process. Wow. Did you ever sleep? Um, very little. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Um, okay, and then what about him? Where does he fit? Because this is where you were. Yes, I stayed local to do that, and he actually moved three hours away oh. to go to college. Wow. So those three years that I was doing my degree were long distance. So then as soon as I finished, I was able to move to Pittsburgh. That's where he was. Okay. And to be with him. Nice. And then once he finished his undergrad, he still had another year at that time. Then we got married. Okay. Wow. So that's a fast pace time period. Mm -hmm. Boom. It Hello. was. You know, it was, especially because I was traveling back and forth mm -hmm. um, at the time. And it was mostly me because he was playing soccer. Yeah. Oh, okay. And collegiate soccer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That's really cool, though. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun to watch. Okay. What was your plan at the beginning of your marriage for your job? his job, children, housing, because here you get married. Like, mm -hmm. like what, what were you thinking? Well, when we first got married, Carter was done with soccer and his undergrad, like I said, but he still had a year and a half of PA school. Um, so Which he, is physician's physician, assistant. Physician assistant, yes, okay. and clinicals. So I was working in finance at the time, and I was the breadwinner okay. while he finished okay, school. Okay, that makes sense, yes. Mm -hmm. We had a tiny one-bedroom apartment in Pittsburgh, mm. and our plan was actually to move out east as soon as he was done. Oh. Um, I don't and know why. That's not where we live. <laughs> Correct. Right now. Correct. So. Both of our families were back, um, where actually where I went to college, so um, wow. in the Midwest. So anyway, then we would both work for five years-ish, aggressively pay off our student loans, um, be in a good position financially, and then we would think about starting ah. our family. Wow. And okay. that was pretty standard, I would yeah. think. Yeah, I think that's very <laughs> For the world. 
And, and it's somewhat admirable to say we're going to try to be prepared. Right. Like, I think preparation is good. It seemed wise at the time. All right. And where were your families at? So, like I said, both our families were back in Ohio. And although we wouldn't have admitted it at the time, we wanted to be far away from them. Mm. So they could not hold us accountable to the Christian life. Mm. And we would have said we were Christians and we did attend a local church, but we were not invested in the church and we didn't live for God. Mm. We kind of adopted the work hard, play hard motto. Okay. I was making good money and getting recognition at work and spending my time off and weekends just living for myself. Hmm. Which is also a very normal thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like this is what you do. You work mm-hmm. hard and then you get to play hard. Mm-hmm. I like, I mean, that's very common. Mm-hmm. So Hannah, I love to plan and I am a list maker. I'm a planner. I recreate lists and then I plan them in multicolors. Are you a planner? I'm thinking you are. And is planning good or is it bad? And what sins should we be aware of as we're planning? And what does the Bible even say about planning? Yes, that is definitely me too. I am a planner. planner. Yes. In college, like I said, I had this plan of Carter and I getting married, probably before he did. Okay. (laughs) And I remember sitting in my my freshman dorm room and making a document with every single class I would need to take and in what semester. Oh, wow. Until graduation. Wow. And this is when I discovered I could squeeze everything in in three years. Wow. And then I would be one year closer to moving to where he was and getting married. Correct. Yeah, that sounds like a planner. So, yes. um, Planning can alleviate a lot of conflict, so I think it can be good, like getting ready for a vacation or getting out the door for church in the morning with kids. Sure. But when we hold so tight to our own plans, we can fail to trust God in Mm. some cases. And instead trust our own plans. Yes, exactly. Mm. So do you know the passage from Matthew 6 that talks about not being anxious about our lives? Yes. What we will wear, what we will eat. And then it goes on to say in verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Mm. And I know this verse isn't specifically talking about planning, but I like that it reminds us that we are to focus on today. Mm -hmm. And my planning can become sinful when I'm focusing too much on tomorrow and the next day Mm -hmm. and the next year. And then I'm failing to walk in the good works God has prepared for me today. Mm -hmm. And just like we talked a little bit ago, when we talked about how college isn't bad, Mm -hmm. if someone decides to go to college, and there are certainly women who don't get married because it just doesn't happen until they're out of college. You know, it's not like they are even dating anyone. But the same thing is true for planning. Planning isn't bad. Right. But it's what you do with it. Correct. So I think sometimes when we're hyper planning, we need to refocus Mm -hmm. and instead focus on what God has put Mm -hmm. in front of us today. Hmm. That's a good little quote. We should probably put that on our social media. Like, we should just focus on what God has put in front of us. Today, yeah. So I think sometimes too much planning can lead to discontentment. Mm. And when we're so focused on what is to come, we're not content in our current circumstances. And it's interesting how the world really does. They are just, I mean, you talked earlier about sewing and tutorials. Well, you can watch you know, tutorials on how to make a planner. You can watch tutorials on how you need to organize something and plan ahead for your best family vacation and those things are not bad but I love what you said about the fact that it needs to be focused on what is happening today Mm -hmm. yeah that's good okay so let's jump back to your story because 
it's evident you're a planner, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but what happened when your cha- your plans changed? How'd you respond? So yes, things did get shaken up. Okay. Um, <laughs> a month into our marriage, I found out I was expecting okay. a baby. Wow. One month. Yes. One month. Yes. And you were not necessarily trying. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. And obviously that was not part of our plan and it was quite a shock. So at the time we were only 22. Oh wow. None of our friends were even married at the time. Carter was still finishing up PA school and this was kind of putting a wrench in everything. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I did really want to be a mom and it was something I always wanted and prayed was in my future, but not then. That was not your future. That yeah. was then. That right was then. then. Yeah. yeah. So I remember sitting down on our sofa in our tiny Pittsburgh apartment and talking about what we were going to do. And one of us, I can't remember who said, so we're going to move back home, right? Home to Ohio. And the other one of us immediately agreed. <laughs> oh, wow. And it wasn't a discussion and it didn't even feel like a big decision. Mm. It was just so obvious that that's what we would do. Wow. And looking back, it's clear that that clarity was a gift from the Lord. And it's crazy to think about that decision being made so easily when we literally had a trip planned to go out east to check out where we were gonna go next. Wow. Which boy. that trip was then canceled. Of course, <laughs> I would say yes. I can understand that. So then Carter said to me, um, you're gonna stay home now, right? Hmm. As in be a stay-at-home mom. Like that's just logical. Right. And I I don't really think I had words because it's not what I imagined ever. Hmm. And it's funny that we hadn't had that conversation before, like maybe before marriage. Yes. Yeah. That would <laughs> that be, a good be idea. the expectation. Yes. Um, but he then said, Well, my mom stayed home with me and my brother, so I just assumed that's what you would do. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking about it for a second and then just agreeing. Mm. And I thought that was probably the best option. Um, again, no discussion, no debate, no argument. It was quite bizarre. <laughs> yes. It's like we literally made a U-turn in a matter of seconds yes. and we were totally confident in that. Wow. Well, it's interesting to me as I hear you talk about it because um, it does sound like there were some, perhaps some bumps. This, you know, your plans got changed mm-hmm. and you did have to take, there's probably a lot to this story. Mm-hmm. A lot of extras mm-hmm. that get thrown in there. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool how God just gave you both a heart to go this one direction. Mm-hmm. And again, there may be women who are working and that's not what we're trying to say that you can't work. Exactly. It's just how God changed your direction very clearly. Yes, that's what he was calling me to. Yeah, yeah. What does the Bible say about contentment? And what verses really motivated you to put your trust and be content in God? Well, what comes to mind is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm, I love that verse. I say this verse to my kids all the time, (laughs) particularly when they're whining. Mm -hmm. I often ask them, are you being thankful for what you're given? And I remind them that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. And this applies to us too. Mm -hmm. So we need this reminder just as often as my kids do. Yeah, it's really good to remember. I love that verse because it's basically just, it's a list. Mm -hmm. It's a list and I love lists. It's Mm -hmm. three things. Mm -hmm. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance. Mm -hmm. And it's a list, but that it's a list that you can't really cross off. It's a list that you always should be- Continual. Yes, Mm -hmm. which I think makes it a very different type of list. Absolutely. And something we need to check in on. So what about some practical things that you did or that someone could take to become content 
with God's plans for your life? Well, in our situation, um, it really was the Lord's kindness and changing our hearts. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious the Holy Spirit was working in us to cause us to be receptive to those changes and surrender and trust God. I love that. I love that. It's God who changes our hearts to be thankful. And the Holy Spirit's the one that does the work that convicts Mm -hmm. us and then redirects our heart. Sometimes it's easy to think we are content. I was thinking about times in my life. Oh, I don't know. Like, um, I can think about people who live a minimalistic lifestyle, Mm -hmm. and I would say they seem content. But there is something about us being content in the Lord and Him changing our heart. Um, Perhaps that minimalistic view is perhaps rooted in pride, thinking that we control it. I don't know. Absolutely. Thoughts on it, sort of on the top of my head, but um, it's interesting how we need to see that God is the one who changes our hearts. Definitely. And looking back, there are some practical things that we did do that did help us grow in that new role as parents and my new role as as a stay-at-home mom. Okay. So first, I would say I found and I do find a lot of joy in pursuing homemaking things. Mm -hmm. And once I left my job in finance, I kind of felt the freedom to explore new things. Sewing is a great example of that. I also really enjoy cooking and baking. Mm. I've been able to develop some skills like bread making that my family loves. Nice. And um, I've also learned to garden. So filling my time with these homemaking tasks is something that has fulfilled me in a way that working a desk job never did. And don't get me wrong, it's not the tasks themselves that are fulfilling Mm. me, but it's the fact that I'm living in a way that is obedient to God and in a way that serves my family. Mm. And I found immense joy in these things. And... I know that joy is from him. Yes, I love that. Because these things are, I love that you didn't stop being ambitious. Maybe that's the word. You're right. still ambitious. You're still learning. Right. Um, and I think that's important. We're at whatever spot we're at. And I love that about, about your story already. I you, didn't just leave my job and yeah. sit at home with my kids all day. Yes, yeah. And didn't didn't waste your time. You chose to be purposeful. That's good. And something else that comes to mind is that I remember sitting in our apartment. This is now once we've moved back to Ohio. Okay. And Violet, which was our first baby, was born. She was just a baby. And I remember praying to God for friends that were mothers mm. and that were living for God. I prayed for this daily and because I knew community was good. Mm-hmm. And I knew that God made us to have relationships and do life with other Christians, but I didn't have that yet. Mm. Um, so I prayed for it diligently, and I can tell you he answered that prayer abundantly. And it brings me to tears, actually, thinking about it. Mm. Um, but it wasn't without work. Once we found a solid church, we were quick to join a small group, and I started a women's Bible study that was during the day. Okay. Because I was hoping to connect with other moms. I attended our mom's group and faithfully I attended and I really just put myself out there even if it was uncomfortable. Okay. And God also used a few women to draw me in. One in particular I can think of, I remember she would come up to me every Sunday after church to talk to me. And I thought, I remember thinking she was a little much at the (laughs) time. (laughs) But now she's one of my closest Uh. friends and our kids are the same ages. And so two things stuck out here. I put myself out there Mm. getting involved and God also placed specific women in my life. That's how he answered that prayer. And and I love that you tied in the prayer. You didn't just say, I got to go find friends. You prayed to ask God to bring you godly friends. I also love in what you said, I think of, I remember this time in my life and I was involved in a mom's group and it was so important to me. It was a place to meet women. 
it provided an opportunity to learn things and to grow, mm-hmm. just like what you've talked about. And I think those are great places to be. So if you're a young mom and you've got little ones and you feel like they're always at your feet and you're dealing with them, it's great to go out and reach out and be with other moms. And you gave us a great example, Hannah, mm-hmm. of how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, just put yourself out there, even if it's a little awkward or hard. Mm-hmm. And God will put those women in yeah, your and, life. And pray about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, is contentment easy for you? Because it sounds like just this has been a breeze. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, do you ever struggle with contentment? And how do you deal with discontentment in your life now? That's funny. Um, I would ask you, is contentment easy for anyone? Because I would love to meet them. (laughs) Good Um, point. Good point. Yes. I think for me, I struggled the most with being content in times of suffering or hardship where my own comforts are taken Mm. from me. My first thought goes to morning sickness Mm. or maybe being up all night with kids or babies and um, even the period of time when I had a newborn, a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Wow. That was a very hard year in many ways uh, with very little sleep. Um, Yes. So when I'm in the midst of a hard thing, I want to escape it. Mm. I want to complain to my husband. I want relief from Mm. that. Um, But it's those times that I need to remember that I'm to be thankful in all circumstances. Yep. Back to our verse. Yeah. Um, So even the hard ones, even the hard circumstances. So it's in times like those that I need to be in God's word more than ever to drown out the lies in my head that I deserve relief or that Mm. I deserve a break. Um, I need to drown out those lies with the truth from God's word. Hmm. That's really good. I love that because I think that is um, important. We're always on the podcast talking about how the Bible is so vital Mm -hmm. to our lives. So you just said it again. (laughs) Yeah, it's our lifeboat. (laughs) Yes. So I've been studying Romans this year, and in Romans 8, we are actually promised that we will suffer. Mm. And we aren't promised a life of comfort and ease. But the encouraging part of that is that we actually have the opportunity to rejoice in our suffering because God uses it to build our character. Hmm. And can I read that verse from Romans 5? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Wow, that's really good. That's in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 okay. through 5. That's awesome. You know, it's that's a good one to memorize. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one to put in your brain because, mm-hmm. or put it over your kitchen sink, you know, mm-hmm. wherever you may Especially need. in challenging times. Yeah. Yes, I love it because it's kind of a progression mm-hmm. in that verse that we see from suffering all the way to the fact that we can see and have hope. hope. Yeah, I love that. So many women listening are young moms, and um, as you've already mentioned, being a mom is a hard work. Mm-hmm. I remember those long days of mothering. I remember sick kids, disobedience, dirty dishes, sticky toy-filled floors. I can remember <laughs> that. Sleepless nights, sibling relationships, grocery shopping with you know four kids, and I'm like, hold on to the cart, you know, and I'm trying to make it have fun. Um, I can stand back right now because my youngest is 11, and My oldest is 24, and I can see how God kept me through those days. And let me tell you, I did struggle with discontentment. I'm guessing that things don't change. This is still a part of young moms' lives and difficulties is dealing with discontentment. So tell me what might be some sins that a young mom might deal with or need to be aware of within the context of contentment and how maybe you have overcome some of them. 
Sure, so what comes to mind is wishing for a different or an easier season. Mm. So when we are up all night with newborns and covered in spit up, we can wish for the next season when our baby is sleeping through the night. And then when they can put on their own shoes. Sure. <laughs> and then we can wish for a season that they can play by themselves without us. Or then they can mow the lawn finally or cook dinner or do something productive, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to get caught up in the next season and think that it will be easier. Mm. Um, and that will be better. But the truth is, is while a child sleeping through the night is wonderful, there are challenges that come with each season. And when I'm tempted to wish my current one away, I have to remind myself that God has work for me to do today. Yeah, yep. I agree 100% because <laughs> I'm in a different stage of life. And you are 100% right. We need to be living in the season God has put us mm -hmm. and be thankful for it. And this is true if you're a mom out there listening and your child is in the process of getting married. That's a different spot to be in. And it's definitely a practice in contentment. Mm -hmm. Okay, any others? Yeah, so a big temptation for me as a young mom was and is phone use. Okay, yes, <laughs> that's true for a lot of people, yes, most I, people. Yes, I think a baby, since they don't seem to care or notice if you're on your phone, <laughs> Yeah. They pretty much just eat and sleep. So it's tempting to fill your time scrolling, right? Mm. And I remember when my first couple babies were young, um, I had an app on my phone that timed each feeding. Okay. It allowed me to keep track of when they were eating, how long they were eating. And this was helpful. But okay, then, so this was just to make sure that they were getting what enough. they needed. Okay. Yeah, getting fed um, yeah. the proper amount. Okay. The number of times per day, okay. yes. So, but then I started noticing that I wasn't able to sit down to nurse my baby without having my phone because mm. I had to track it. Um, so it was, for me, it was kind of a trap. I would sit down and I would just use my phone every feeding. Hmm. So I decided to stop using that feeding tracker. <laughs> and this was just an easy way for me to stop grabbing my phone for each feeding, mm -hmm. um, just to cut it out. And it was an adjustment at first, um, but I'm thankful that God gave me the wisdom to do that because and then um, instead I was able to just enjoy my baby, sometimes grab a book or even interact with my other kids. That's good. That's a really good one because I don't think our phones are going away. So we have to have some plans with what to do with them. Mm -hmm. And there are good things there about are good our phones. Tools. Yeah, mm -hmm. there are really good things. But just like some mom might need that to keep track of their feedings, mm -hmm. you know. Right. But I love how you showed us as you walked through how you had to make a choice. This isn't really the best thing right now. Right. You know. Do I need to track my baby's feedings? Is that more important or is yeah. it um, that I give up that temptation? Can I track temptation? my baby's feedings on paper? Or True. some other way Absolutely. where I can still get that accomplished. That's good. Totally. Now, I mentioned this before um, because we talked a little bit about sewing and we talked about older women and younger women and how vital that is and how uh, it's kind of a lost thing in our culture in, for many women. I mean, we used to live in the same street with our grandmothers, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you as a young woman want older women to do during this time of life? What are some really practical things that okay, I'm going to call myself an older woman that some of us could do. <laughs> sure. So my mind goes to Titus 2 with this question. God gives us a blueprint for how older women and younger women are to interact. Older women are to teach us how to love our husbands and children and how to be good workers mm -hmm. in our homes. 
And while some might not see this as serving younger women, it, it is. It's a crucial part of helping young women grow into their roles as homemakers and mothers. And I have really been blessed by older women in our church through them having me in their homes, just mm. seeing how they serve a family dinner, um, mm -hmm. seeing how they organize their household, um, inviting me to coffee or lunch, um, them speaking, be willing to speak at mom's groups and sharing their wisdom. And we can gain so much wisdom from these women who have gone before mm -hmm. us. Um, so I think sometimes it can be hard or awkward, especially for younger women to initiate those relationships. Mm -hmm. But I think, so I think older women taking initiative and ownership of this mentoring role would really bless many young women. That's interesting you say awkward. I think it can be awkward on the older end. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it's easy to think, well, these young women don't have any interest in wanting to talk with me. Or whatever. I mean, I think we can talk ourselves on both sides yes. into it being awkward. And it might be at first. Well, I'm here to say that younger women, we do appreciate. Yeah. Okay. We do appreciate learning from the yes. older, older women. We do not have everything together. Right. Well, <laughs> and I will say that I think it's good to think, be purposeful. Like mm -hmm. as older women, I love those ideas you gave. Inviting a younger family over is a great mm -hmm. way to do that. I know we've had a few families over and it's it's really fun for my kids to hang out with little kids. They never see little kids or very often, so that's good. Okay, one area that I've often said that I'm glad was not around when I was a young mom is social media because I think I would have struggled much with that. I, I think it would have just been for me a time waster. I mean, I think I, I can say these things because these are issues I have now. I think they would have been um, elevated when I had young little kids. Um, so I would have been a time waster. Um, I think I would have been hanging out on Facebook. It would have been a escaper like a place where I would escape um, so it's really hard social media some people would say never have it just don't ever touch it don't ever open the door to it and some people would say be on it you know every five minutes and tell us you know what you're doing um, so how do we use social media for good to honor God because I think this is a part of our contentment what is what's some practical advice yeah, so this is hard for me to answer because I definitely do not have it figured out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, because I go through ups and downs with social media. Yeah. But the biggest thing I keep going back to is that my life purpose is to honor God and to bring glory to Him. So this includes what I post on social media. So I frequently will have um, heart checks with myself mm. and just evaluate the reason why I'm posting something or maybe why I'm commenting on someone else's. So I found that for me, it's wise to take social media breaks. Okay. So this could be a week, a month. I've even done a year off of Instagram where I will just delete Facebook or Instagram off my phone, totally delete the app so I'm not tempted. And this helps me to break bad habits, just the picking up and mm -hmm. setting down and just kind of reset. And I will say also that as I've had more children and I'm busier in the mm -hmm. home, that my social media usage has decreased organically. Mm. I think it's particularly a temptation for those young moms with babies, like I kind of addressed yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but I only have so many hours of the day, and mindless scrolling is not a fruitful use of my time. Yep. So on the other hand, I love to share how God has blessed our family, and especially with non-believers. So that's why I haven't given up on it completely. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a it is a platform to share the good things that God is doing. Mm -hmm. So social media can be an excellent tool. I have learned lots of recipes, cleaning techniques, yes. kids activities, um, even biblical encouragement. Yep. So, but even too much of a good thing is possible. 
and it's easy to get that information overload. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. So I recommend regular self check-ins and breaks if needed. That mm -hmm. is what has helped me. Um, also, I feel like I have to make this clear because it's something that I've learned as I've um, navigated social media and motherhood. We do not have to have a platform on Instagram to share the gospel. Mm. There are souls in our homes that need the gospel taught to them every mm. single day. Amen. And they are our priority. And there's a mom at the park that has never heard God's truth. Yep. There is a checkout person at the grocery store that could be impacted by my children who are behaving well and my genuine interest in them. Hmm. There are so many opportunities in real life that we do not need a virtual presence to take advantage of. Yep. And there are many women who do that well, but that is not all of our calling. Yeah, and absolutely, right? I mean, the little souls in our own homes are vital, really important. Like we need to be sharing the gospel with them. And if we mm -hmm. get caught up in all these other things mm -hmm. in the busyness, and this is, you know, there's times that women have things they want to share all the time on social media. Um, we can kind of lose time. We can lose mm -hmm. priorities. I love how you, you use the word heart check. It reminds me how important it is to kind of go through that on a consistent basis. Maybe it's a weekly thing we, we look back mm -hmm. on, or maybe we, we stop and we write down some questions we could ask ourselves. How much time have I spent? I know my phone will tell me how much time I'm on. Right. And I heard a young woman say that she has an, um, like on social media, she has a timer set. So she has a friend. Um, well, this is two young women who are, don't have children and are not married. So she has a friend doing this. You could have your husband doing it, I suppose. And the only way to get off, to get the timer will turn it off. But in order to get back on, you have to get a password okay. from your person that you have given it to. And the beauty of that is you actually have to stop and think, do I actually want to call my friend and say, I want to spend more time looking at Instagram. I've been <laughs> on there for a half hour and I need to do more. I loved those, little, good those little things. I mean, they're already available to us. We just got to yeah. look them up. Mm -hmm. But really what you've said is good because all of those are great, but we always can find ways to get around them. Mm -hmm. So I could see myself, I mean, or anyone, you know, figuring out a way to use the same password, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's better for us to be thinking and asking ourselves questions and really on our own making decisions whether we're going to stop, be, you know, pulling Facebook off our home screen or mm -hmm. pulling, pulling it off our phone all together for a while. Right. Just to take a break and to reset. It's a good word. Okay, so um, on the episodes we're doing on the topic of learning contentment, where we are talking about the book and we're talking about how to live it out every day, Erica Simpson and I um, recently talked about how we've learned that the antidote to discontentment is to be thankful. So um, now that, tell me about, tell me about your life now. What are, what are some things you're most thankful for? How has God grown? and changed you since you and your husband were just, you know, in the middle of all that college years. Sure. So for Carter and me, I think the problem was back then is we were stuck thinking the way the world thinks about marriage and parenthood, kind of mm. like we talked about. We didn't have the bi biblical wisdom at the time to see that the world's view of children and family is different than God's mm -hmm. view. For us, waiting five years until we were in a better position financially to have children was a wise choice. And that's what everybody was doing. Mm -hmm. But today, I'm so thankful that God used my pregnancy with Violet to open our eyes and show us that children are a blessing. And he's shown us that our lives are not meant to serve ourselves, mm -hmm. but to serve God 
and bring glory to Him. Amen. And for us, that looks like trusting God through having children and teaching them the ways of the Lord. Hmm, that's awesome. So after having Violet back in 2016, we then had three more children in about four years. And now we're expecting our fifth. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. That's super, super duper exciting. Um, it's gonna still be busy though, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's busy. Yes. <laughs> there is so much freedom and peace in living a life that honors God and living a life that is obedient to his word and living out the calling of women mm -hmm. and motherhood. Mm -hmm. It's hard work and it's not always pretty or Instagram worthy, <laughs> but it is so rewarding. And I'm thankful that God gave me the faith for it. Yeah, that reminds me, we have been doing a series um, called Feminology. And we've talked a lot about what God's calling for women and mothers should look like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a really great series. We've done on the first of each month in 2022. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, you might want to go back and listen to that. Hannah, it has been so good to talk with you. I've learned so much about you and I've loved some things you said. And one of the things that I heard multiple times throughout our conversation today was practicing contentment in the season of life that you're in. Like this is really important. And that's just really, honestly, good advice for anyone listening. It doesn't matter if they have a bunch of little kids, you know, building Lego structures all over the steps, you know, or um, maybe it's we're heading out again to pick up a child from practice, you know, again, um, or we're coming home to an empty home because our kids are all grown. It doesn't matter we still need to practice contentment right where we are. So right here and right now. And maybe that's our challenge for the week. Like as, yeah. we, as we think and pray about it, where am I not being content? Where do I need to grow in this? Um, I think that's really good advice. Yeah. One other thing you said was about, was your wisdom about social media. I, I love that. I think what I heard you say is take a balanced approach and do some self-evaluations as you are on it. Like, how am I doing in this? You know, am I spending too much time? You know, those kind of good questions. I love questions. Yeah. I just completely agree because I think it can be a time waster. It can be depressing. It can cause us to jump into comparisons. Mm -hmm. It can be helpful to learn something new or it can even be encouraged, but we have to deal with balance. Those were great. Thank you so much for your thought and your time today. It was really good, Hannah, to talk. Would you pray for us as we sure. end today? Sure. Thanks for having me, Julie. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the way you use unexpected things to draw us closer to you. I pray that when we encounter challenges or roadblocks, you would give us the faith to embrace the life you've called us to. You are such a kind father to give us mm. opportunities to grow through hard things. Mm. I pray that there would be much fruit from our walking in obedience. Mm. Amen. Amen. And thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of Unshaken. Next week, we will continue our book chat discussion focusing on chapters five and six of learning contentment. So grab that book, um, read or listen to chapter five and six. There are so many good concepts that we're gonna discuss and join us next time. And remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God until next time.